Smikowski, something special from Freddie. Off a step, bend around the corner. Michael Frederick keeps the game alive with the goal of the game. And a massive moment. Yes, Michael Frederick does it for the second week in a row. Uh, a critical goal from the forward pocket. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. Well, while Michael Frederick was kicking wonder goals at Optus Stadium, Michael Barlow continues to forge an incredible career as the coach of Werribee. They're on top of the ladder. Victor's over Collingwood at the weekend. Mick, welcome. Good day, Duff. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at the tape as we speak. Uh, the first quarter was really good, and then a bit of an arm wrestle, but um, had a win's a win. And now that we've uh, finished that, I think we'll finish top two, which is good. And top two, Duff, you've, you've secured at least a home final and give yourself the best chance. So um, the real stuff will start in a couple of weeks, but we've still got a bit of season to play out. Who's your big threat, Mick? Um, well, it's a pretty unique comp, obviously, and you, you, you guys would see this in the waffle when you know, Peel Thunder at times would be um, the biggest threat in the comp. Then a little bit of injury to those AFL line clubs can, can pull them back pretty quickly. Uh, at the moment, Gold Coast, you know, they're 21 AFL guys each week and, and a really good box hill have kind of got a good mix of Hawthorne younger players and um, just aligned, or sorry, not aligned players in their program. So they're probably the two. Um, and then there's a couple of sides that are, that are roaring home, like uh, Footscray um, and Collingwood, who we played yesterday. Um, but, yeah, we kind of jumped them and got a good start on them. So there's probably a handful of up that we've, uh, we've got to well and truly prepare for. Obviously, Collingwood's going to need depth now because they've got some key injuries. Mm. Did you notice anyone jumped off the page at you that'll be coming into the team next week? Yeah, well, I knew for a fact on, on Saturday, um, I actually did the game for AFL Nation, Collingwood Hawthorne. Um, and that was the best game I've called all year. I loved the intensity that Hawthorne brought, and um, Colin would have been up for a, a long time, and then those injuries that, that were evident for everyone to see, Dacos, um, you know, Tom Mitchell was probably a query with, with uh, a leg injury. Um, Taylor Adams finished the game on the bench. Nathan Murphy's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So I think what Collingwood did yesterday um, in the VFL was actually pull out Billy Frampton, before the game, so he'll you know, more than likely play Friday night. And they also pulled out Will Kelly, who's a a big-sized kind of athletic midfielder, winger, can play at the end of the ground. So those two were pulled out of the game before it. And um, Mason Cox played really well. Um, you know, he's just a, a different beast at, at state league level. Um, Jack Inman got on the end of a couple of goals. Will Hoskin Elliott was, I think, managed after either the second or third quarter. So... Uh, they've got a few decisions to make, Collingwood. So I'd imagine Frampton plays, Kelly would more than likely play. And then it's, um, you know, Will Hoskin, Elliott, Jack Kinnaman, um, those type of guys who put their hands up. What do you make of the competition generally? Are the top teams getting a bit wobbly? Port Adelaide's lost four on the trot. Obviously, they had injury and illness issues on the weekend down in Geelong. Collingwood's now lost two on the trot. Get the feeling that teams have stopped trying to defend Collingwood and started attacking them, and they're not coping that well. Yeah, as I said, did the game live, and what they really did was, um, well, Hawthorne was just bring real heat on the ball carrier. You know, it comes with a fair bit of anxiety, I'd imagine, against a side like Collingwood because if they execute that first possession um, whilst that pressure's coming at them, they're through your defence. But Hawthorne just kept coming, and they just kept coming. If they didn't get the first um, player, that they'd at least put enough pressure that the second player might be able to close down. Um, the second chain of the possession. Um, so, there's, there's, as always, I think the longer the season goes, you get a bit of a blueprint 
on how to play some of these better sides. Um, poor Adelaide situation is, is is different because they've just got a, a run of injuries at the moment, which they just can't cover. Um, whereas Collingwood, yeah, you know, they, they've only just encountered that. So how do they look without Nick Dacos? It'll be an interesting watch. I think there's some question marks around their midfield and, and the oneness or the likeness of it with uh, Mitchell and you know, Taylor Adams has been pushed out of there um, through through Tom Mitchell's inclusion. Scott Pendlebury isn't overly quick, but you know he's, he's all class. So there's a few questions to be answered, I think, for Collingwood. But right now, I think Craig McRae, as much as you want to keep winning, um, would have to harness this as as an opportunity. To, okay, let's let's reset and have a look at the elements of our game. We've got to improve, and where do we need to add some spark? How do we change something that? going to give us a bit more integrity in September. Who do you like at this stage? I get the feeling that Melbourne's looming as a reasonably complete team, but of course they lost Harry Petty on the weekend as well. Yeah, Harry Petty, um, who would have thought that a lot, because they haven't been able to figure out their forward line all year, and they find Harry Petty the week before. Um, he's done it a few times as a forward, but he's the most notable event at back. But, um, Bailey Fritch is still out for a little while, but I think what's impressing us about Melbourne is they've still got some deficiencies in their game and they're still trying to figure out what that mix is and they've still got some injuries, but um, at the same time, they've, they're just chalking the wins and, and just getting the results. So as a group, you can actually go to your reviews with a bit of a harder edge, um, but you still have the comfort of the four four points, um, which sides like Port Adelaide at the moment and, and Collingwood over the last couple of weeks haven't been able to do. So Melbourne are, are trending nicely. I think the real form team in the comp at the moment is Carlton. Um, and they're outside of that. Probably Carlton and the Doggies seem that the two sides that are starting to build pretty strongly at this time of year. Um, but what will work against them if they don't push into the top four, it just becomes infinitely harder. They won't have that. The, the sides that are struggling a little bit at the moment in that top four will have some time to reset. Um, so in, in answer to your question, you still got to stick with what Collingwood have been. Um, but I reckon a fortnight ago, people were saying it was it was Collingwood in the field. Whereas now, um, you know, Collingwood, a lot will have to improve and, and straighten themselves up to, to even give themselves a chance at, at playing in that last game. Brisbane chalked an important win over Fremantle at the weekend. It officially ended Fremantle's finals hopes, although I suspect they ended several weeks ago when the Bulldogs beat them at Marvel Stadium. What did you make of the Dockers and what did you make of Hayden Young in the midfield? Second week in a row that it worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it the week before when I, when I was down watching in the flesh in Geelong and he just looks um, very natural around the ball and the bigger body, um, he's got a good spatial awareness in, in the contest. He's obviously got that um, negating ability and the defensive mindset, which, which was important in, in both of the weeks that they've just played and had a big impact. So I wrote, wrote an article in the West a couple of weeks ago about you know, trying to find some some opportunities out of these last couple of weeks. And um, you know, the Hayden Young midfield op- opportunity has, has been proven to be a success. Um, you know, there's some other opportunities that that Justin Longmuir and his coaching crew would be would be looking at um, to, to finish the year out, different positions. Um, Jordan Clark, a bit more of a, a negating um, lockdown role yesterday with kind of some good success and then some moments where Charlie Cameron got away. So like the, the ability at the moment of, of the coaching group to, to get to learn more about your players and, and not just let the season teeter out and... Um, look to, to January and February to reset them. Yeah, look for some opportunity now, which they're doing. 
Yeah, I like Jordan Clark on Charlie Cameron. I know Charlie got away and looked dangerous at times. There's a couple of times when uh, Jordan was caught sort of um, in a vulnerable position for a defender, but for a while there, it looked like Jordan was not offering enough offensively or defensively, but he looks like he's reset his sort of attitude a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was quite impressive because Charlie Cameron, let's face it, he's a pretty dangerous small forward. Absolutely. I remember a few years ago, like a, a, long, a lot of years ago now, that when I was playing at the Dockers and Luke McFarlane would always get the the most dangerous key forward. And there was this one week where, where Ross came in and and quite aggressively, whether he made the, made the decision in the moment or he'd planned it or, or whatever it may be, but he just said, oh, Zach Dawson, you're taking, it might have been um, Josh Kennedy, I think, in the Derby. Oh, you're going to take the number one this week. So here's the challenge. Um with Brandon Walker out of that side, they've had to look for sometimes that those lockdown defenders um, protect those more vibrant, enthusiastic, offensively minded defenders. And not that Zach Dawson was that at all, but say the Jordan Clark situation, he's been able to run and rebound and create along with a couple of others um, where the lockdown role has, has gone to Brandon Walker most of the time. So um, I think it's, it's good for all concerned because. Yeah, they know that going forward, you know, Brandon Walker, I think he has all the attributes to be a more aggressive, runoff, creative halfback. And week to week, they can change what their halfback mix looks like and what the matchups look like, depending on um, how they're feeling about it. If they stay with Hayden Young in the midfield, what does it mean for the likes of Nathan Fife, Will Brody, Jager O'Meara, do you think? Because uh, to me, if I'm Justin Longmuir, Hayden Young, round one next year, my planning is that Hayden Young starts in the midfield. Mm-hmm. And um, so what, need, what does yeah. it mean for those other big bodies, do you think? Yeah, well, well you need the numbers through there. Um, you need you know, probably six at a minimum to go through there each week. Some clubs spin kind of eight, eight players through there each each week, um, so I, I think you know it, 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 what it does do is put put players on notice, and we know in season that, that some people just will, will, some players will fall out of favour and fall down the pecking order, and the unfortunate um, nature of AFL football professional sport is your, your time does run up sometimes. So the players you mentioned, um, you know, they'll, they'll be on notice and. The second position stuff becomes really, really important. Pipey's situation this year was was very much front of mind for a lot of people with becoming a permanent forward. Um, you know, what does his pre-season look like in terms of a mixture of the two? Jager O'Meara is going to have to be one that, that finds a different avenue into the side if Hayden Young keeps um, pressing his claims as a mid. So can he improve his, his aerobic output and, and go to a wing or... Half back, half forward. Um, that's what you know, the summer training block is, is really for to be able to make these players a fair bit more versatile. And then the, the coaching group in any any situation can can start um, a different look centre square bounce um, group depending on what the game looks like. So big summer for for Frio in terms of getting these players um, a bit more versatile. And you know, Will Brody will be one of those. Um, Jago Ramirez clearly. The Rob and Brayshaw even who have been tremendous. Um, can they become uh, efficient players in the forward 50 for eight to 10 minutes per half? I feel like I turn 180 degrees every week when I see Luke Jackson play and I wonder whether, you know, how many Ruckman do you need? Do they need Sean Darcy? Should they cash him in at the trade table? Or do they, when Sean Darcy plays and plays well, I feel like he's almost their most important player. 
when I see Luke Jackson play like he played yesterday, I feel like there may be a different way to go about it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I think if anyone had the answer, um, yeah, they're far more progressed in in what what the situation looks like at Fremantle than us because, yeah, Luke Jackson, I'd love to, well, we'll find out in due time where he finishes in the Joy medal. I'd imagine um, he's had some games where he'll just pole unbelievably and and then there's some other games he's slow start the year clearly that, that would bring him back a little bit, but he could potentially win it or he could potentially finish eighth. I'm, I'm not really sure how all that'll look. Um, but he's had, a, he's had a good year and his impact on games is um, significant. I think even we even look at the discussion around the mids. It, it will be an absolute necessity for for Sean Darcy to become a bit more versatile. You know, the, the, the thought is that Fremantle would hold on to, to Sean Darcy. Um, but to maximise those two working together, the versatility of, of being able to play dual role is important. So... Is it 70-30, Darcy, Ruck, uh, forward, and Jackson picks up the 30-70, the Ruck forward? Um, because, yeah, I'm watching like yesterday's game, 150 ranking points, I think, at three-quarter time, and you're thinking this guy adds that extra dimension around the around the midfield when they need it to become that fourth midfielder, which um, has been, you know, when Fremantle are going well, that's been a key cog in it. Yeah, it was also fascinating too, though, wasn't it, that he probably got tired, I reckon, in the last quarter. Yeah. He had a couple of fumbles in big moments in the game and uh, and it was just fatigue fumbles. Um, a big bloke having to bend low sort of umpteen times to get, get ground balls, which he's just so good at. And, uh, and of course... Um, Brisbane did have um, Darcy Fort and um, uh, Joe Danaher to, to go against him and and sort of uh, the, they had greater depth in that area. Hey, interesting um, question from Murray in Cottesloe on the temperate bedshed text line, Mick. If Freo lose Liam Henry, what about Frederick as a permanent wing? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's... I just think his damage kind of centre forward is too significant when he's, when he's up and going. Um, to, to to rip him out of, of that position and put him to a wing. I think it's good for a sugar hit. I like um, the look of the, the speed of Michael Frederick on the wing just for that, that little patch. But I think the speed and the impact he can have forward and centre is is too too much to become a, a genuine um, winger because it can become a very stale position at times, um, the wing, if you're caught on the, the wrong wing at times, if the... The bulk of players on the other side, um, so that, that's that's my opinion on it. The wing roles are, are very much from a coaching point of view, guys that that you can really rely on to to buy in offensively and defensively and set up structure and and at times kind of coordinate what what the ground looks like for for offense and defense. So I think keep Michael Frederick in the front half for at least eighty percent of the game, and you can get him up on the wing. Um, to get some back half ball, overlap ball uh, for the other 20. Yeah, I think that's not a bad shout. And I like, you know who I like, and you can put a watch on this guy, I reckon. I reckon come round one next year, Ethan Stanley will play on a wing for, yeah. for Fremantle. I really like the look of him. Um, I know, and he looks like a guy who, with not many touches, can have a fair impact on a game, which is pretty important, the way the wing role works now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And he looks, again, um, I saw him, a little bit in the VFL, um, and he looked when I watched him in the VFL. He looked probably a couple of years away from becoming a man, <laughs> to put it to put it simply, to, just to fill out and 
um, to to get some food into him, get the weights program into him. Even in the short time he's been at Freo, I watched again was down at Geelong last week and he came on as a sub and he he just looked a little bit more developed and and filled out. So he he looks like a, a body that will just take to the full time environment really quickly. Um, I think Brady Hoff was the example from West Coast last year that kind of went to the summer break as a as a rake and came back um, looking somewhat near a, a finished product. I think Ethan Stanley will will probably follow that that path. Yeah, and West Coast fans, uh, if you're wondering why I'm not talking about you, we're going to talk to mainly uh, Mick about Fremantle. We're going to get to West Coast in the second hour of the show. Mick, one more. Um, Sam Sturt. We've been waiting a long time Ooh. to see Sam Sturt produce what he produced yesterday. Three clutch goals. Two of them, I reckon only a handful of Fremantle players could have kicked from deep in the pocket. He's deadly. Needs to get some more of the yeah. footy. But, but we're finally seeing what we thought we saw in round one, 2020. Yeah, uncomplicated, isn't he, with his goal-kicking technique. Um, I think that's that's the one thing I took out of yesterday. His, his approach is, is simple. It's um, controlled. And then he keeps the ball still and he kicks through it. And he's got a natural um, kicking motion, which is which is uh, which helps with the accuracy on it. So, yeah, I think the next phase, he just looks like one of those guys that he never looks exhausted. I still don't think he, he would be fully aware of it's the old what's under the hood. Like, can these guys, sometimes these guys are, are don't know the limit they can go to to until it really does click, and, and you get maybe a little bit of career mortality. And at some stage, depending, will drop with a player like Sam Sturt. That um, if I don't kind of can consistently do what I did yesterday, then the the career it evaporates, and, and they'll go past me. So. Those moments are important for players like Sam Sturt because I think Freo are probably still looking at him and thinking, what is he and, and how can he fit into our our side? Um, but if he has the output like he did yesterday and gets enough looks inside forward 50 that he's going to be as effective as any in front of the big sticks, then um, that just works for him. So I, I'd probably look at him as well as a couple of others in the Freo side to, to be able to attack this summer as... Um, you know, it, 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 the honeymoon's over a little bit or the, the precursor of what a career should look like is over and it's time to time to get to work and, and fill out and, and lift my aerobic capacity and, and have impact and become a best 12 player in, in an AFL side rather than those players that are consistently kind of 18 to, to 26 and yo-yoing in and out. What's it like in the build-up to a derby and who wins the derby? Yeah, I genuinely... And, there's, I haven't read much of the news around it. I, I don't think it's as much of a certainty at the moment that the number one draft pick is going to go to West Coast. We saw that they, they nearly pulled off a really great win on the road against Essendon. And it's easy in hindsight to say that, yeah, I saw, saw this as a possibility, but Essendon are a side that absolutely West Coast could, could have served it up to and absolutely did and, and went within a whisker of, of winning that and jumping the second last and all that. So I think Fremantle will... will be in a similar boat for, for West Coast to attack this week and look at it as an opportunity to win. Um, I see it as, a, a, as being a really close derby. West Coast are starting to get some personnel back, which not only back, but they're getting some continuity in what how they're playing and what they're doing. Still, the LEO situation is you'd love to have him in a more natural position to him rather than having to, to play behind the ball. Um, so there's still some, some teething issues with West Coast with that. But the build-up to a derby... 
I think they'll try and hype it up as much as they can this week um, externally. Uh, I think the, the look of it this week is that it would rank right down the bottom of what is an important match in the context of the season, wouldn't it? Because both sides are out of out of contention. Um, but within the West, absolutely pump it up. And can West Coast take the take the scalp and, and feel a little bit better about themselves going into the summer um, uh, of having a win over the old the old enemy? Um, and Fremantle have got to make sure they've got their eyes wide open to to the challenge it confronts because I think they've they've performed really well the last two weeks and getting a result yesterday would have probably um, made them feel really warm and fuzzy about how how they're actually starting to grow and develop after a pretty poor start of the season. Um, yeah, but I think West Coast will, will build this one up a bit internally as an opportunity to take some momentum into their summer. Yeah, I agree. It's a grand final for West Coast. I think they'll play accordingly. Be interesting to see how mm. it pans out. Mick, always fascinating to talk to you. Thanks for your insights. Look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Good on you, Duff. Thank you. Michael Barlow, of course, uh, joins us on the show. Thanks to Isuzu Uch. You can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. If you want to have your say, you can on the temperate bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. You can give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. As I mentioned, while I was talking to Mick, we will get to West Coast in the second hour of the show. We'll be back after the break.